Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And it's a wide open! Remarkable! Touchdown! Buffalo! Davis again! This is... Uh, it just is impossible! A laser beam! Dawson Knox! Touchdown! Buffalo! Allen gets out of the pocket. We know how dangerous he is with his legs. And there he goes! Josh Allen! It's two builds in a pod with Daniel Hahn and Jordan McGee on Sports War Radio. And with that, welcome back to another episode of Two Bills in a Pod. Jordan McGee, Daniel Hahn here with you. The Super Bowl has come to an end. The Kansas City Chiefs are once again Super Bowl champions and the NFL offseason for all 32 teams is officially underway. I hope you had a wonderful Super Bowl weekend. Uh, you know, it was a lot to talk about with the Super Bowl uh, and a lot to dive in with Bill's offseason uh, news and notes now that everyone is officially underway. But Daniel, uh, I hope you enjoyed the Super Bowl. It was, uh, you know, the game for the most part up until the end was entertaining. I uh, thought the halftime show with Rihanna was good. Uh, the commercials, though, lackluster for me personally. But I don't know about you, Daniel. But it was a it was a weird it was a weird Super Bowl Sunday. I don't know if you felt the same. I felt great. I had a had a, uh, a plus Super Bowl in terms of my sports gambling addiction. So mm. that's always a nice little little win there. But I mean, I think first of all, the game itself, the game was kind of what you expected, wasn't it? It was the defense is just kind of trying to hold as best they could. Chiefs got a big turnover that led to a touchdown. That That's a huge difference in the game. But both offenses were pretty much uh, flashing left and right. The Chiefs really struggled in the first half. The Eagles had some really big plays in the first half. And then the halftime adjustments, the Chiefs just, I mean, I don't say dominated the adjustment game, but they really did. Um, they came out swinging in the second half, and I didn't think the Eagles had much of an answer. Um but the game itself, I mean, you're expecting it to be, I don't want to say high scoring, but definitely offensive focus, right? Both teams tried to hold the ball a little bit longer at times, I thought, to keep the other offense off the field. Um, but I think, yeah, we'll talk about the ending, but the game itself to me was what you signed up for. It could have gone either way and ended up going the Chiefs way. Bill fans feel multiple ways about that, I'm sure. Um, I'll be honest, I didn't have like much of a interest in the game in terms of who wins, who loses. I, I, I don't dislike the Eagles. I don't really dislike the Chiefs all that much. I have a dislike for maybe Patrick Mahomes' brother and wife on social media. But I, I, he, hearing Andy Reid say, how did you celebrate? He talks about the pizza he ordered. 
that that doesn't get old to me. That that still uh, makes me laugh hysterically because he also said, and then he got a salad to to satisfy the chubby guy inside or something. Mm-hmm. It was, I mean, that type of stuff is good. Travis Kelsey got a little obnoxious with screaming after a while, but that's you know that's Travis Kelsey. Um, and if the Eagles would have won, you would have had Jason Kelsey doing the same thing. So that that kind of is a a wash point. But I agree with you. Commercials. I think there were some good, some bad, some meh. But it wasn't like the best year for commercials overall. I think now it's the bigger deal with the movie trailers, which most people have seen before. My wife got real excited to see Jason Momoa in Fast 10. Um, she'll probably have to catch up on the previous Fast and the Furious mm-hmm. movie. I think we stopped after a while, like most people. But there's glad they're still going, still getting cameos. Um, and, of course, I'm, I'll leave the halftime show for you to break down uh, in exquisite detail. But overall, I, you know what? It was a good Super Bowl. There's been worse ones. It wasn't. I don't think there's much controversy in terms of <laughs> anything off the field, on the field. Yes, we can talk about the holding call, but overall, I thought it was what you expected it to be. Yeah, I mean, it was a good game. Uh, the halftime show. Uh, I was expecting maybe a surprise musical guest, but Rihanna surprised everybody, and she is pregnant. Um, I thought it was good. I thought maybe I was expecting a little bit more in terms of the, the flair and dramatics, but the dancers were great. I thought the stage set was kind of cool. Uh, she just has hit after hit after hit after hit, and it just, uh, you know, it was good to see Rihanna perform because it's been so long since we've seen her uh, perform live, but we are not getting a new album from her anytime soon, which just makes me very disappointed on the musical side. Um, but yeah, I mean, I want to kind of talk about it because the end of the game right so we get into the fourth quarter you know well first of all first half the eagles have a pretty i wouldn't say commanding lead but they had a they had a pretty significant lead going into halftime chiefs chip away eagles offense is starting to flatline and they go back and forth you know the eagles score and get the two-point conversion to tie the game up at 35 um you know the chiefs are you know driving it's like third and eight um and what it looks like an incomplete pass and you're like oh my goodness the eagles are gonna get the ball back but it is a uh holding call on james bradbury um and thus the Chiefs got to milk the clock down and kick the game-winning field goal and pretty much win the game. I was, I was disappointed again. I was mad just because, again, I like I like you. I didn't really, you know, have a rooting interest either way. Although the Chiefs annoy me more than anything. Hatred is not the word, but annoyance is the word. Um, yeah. Um. So, to be like, hmm. Really? You got that call? That was, you know, the refs weren't making any calls like that all game long, and that, you call it in that scenario. Uh, so I, I was just annoyed because as a fan with no interest, I'm like, that's how this game's going to end? Really? This is how it's going to end? This what could have been a really incredible, memorable Super Bowl, you're going to end on a call like that, was just really disappointing. And now the whole... The Chiefs are now the new Patriots, uh, you know, not only because, you know, potential start of a dynasty, but the refs seem to really love the Chiefs now. Um, that narrative has now taken off. So eh, it was just annoying for me because I wanted it to be a dramatic finish. Had they not called that pass interference and say the Eagles get the ball back, even if they just didn't score or whatever have you. I would still be fine with the Chiefs winning. I think it's just the way in which this game ended that I was just 
annoyed with. And I'm like, well, that's such a lame way to end this Super Bowl. I mean, ref's going to ref, right? It also is fitting for the season. There were some questionable referee games at various times, and I didn't think this referee crew was that noticeable throughout the game. But if you're not going to call a lot of penalties, because we know there's holding on every play, right? There's there's different things. If you're not going to call a lot of it to choose under two minutes with a critical down and distance to, to give a free set of first downs and essentially ice the game for Kansas City, um, that's that's a tough one because, you know, James Bradbury, to his credit, said, yep, I held him. I didn't think they were going to call it. Players know that, and they know the way the refs have been calling the game throughout, and he probably had done that for a little bit, knew he could get away with a hold for a brief period of time, right? It wasn't like the most egregious hold in the world. There wasn't a ton of jersey tugging. It was just, it was there. You can't argue that he held him. It was the right call, but it wasn't necessarily in line with what they've called the rest of the game and that inconsistency is I think where a lot of players get upset at the refs the fans get upset with the refs when they're just horrible calls but I think if you're consistently horrible I think players and coaches can work with that Um, when you change the style and you change what you're calling at the end of the game or in critical times or not calling in critical times because we've seen it both ways the whistles just all of a sudden disappear after they've been blowing them all game uh, in the final two minutes, it, it's a strange thing to do. And it, of course it's going to overshadow what was a pretty decent game overall. Um, yeah. I mean, James Bradbury, once he said he held him, I'm like, okay, that's good enough for me. He didn't fight it. Right. I'm like, yep, you got me. But I think again, the reason he's holding him for that brief, brief period is because they were doing it on all the releases and that's how they were pressing all game without getting calls against them. And then to have the refs to choose under two minutes to do that and decide the game that just fits with the NFL season. So it's depressing, I guess, to some degree that it ends that way, but also like, Hey, that's, that's the 2022 football season in a nutshell. Go refs. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to discredit all the ref new England love affair that was going on for like 15 years. I don't think the chiefs are close to that, um, that biasness that was going on in my estimation, but they're, they may be on their way, but they're, it's not that yet. I mean, if you sniff Tom Brady, you got penalized. If you know, if you remotely try to keep the game closed, they'd start calling holding penalties left and right to stop your offense. There was the Patriots and refs. That's a different. That's a whole different animal. Um, but I definitely know why people are making that kind of determination because of that last call. But again, the Chiefs could have still won the game. Uh, I don't know what that Hail Mary was at the end. Uh, Jalen Hurts, I don't think, threw it more than like 40 yards down the field. Um, he was about 30 yards short of hitting the end zone. Um, so maybe you have to hit the weight room after after the season. But, uh, yeah, I mean, overall, the game to me was entertaining. Uh, halftime, entertaining. You got a lot of memes from the halftime show, which is fantastic. Um, those are already coming into play. Um, the commercials themselves, like you said, meh, not the best year, not the worst year, just kind of meh. But that's the Super Bowl. Um, I will say, while I had no like heart rate or pulse during it, because I didn't really have a lot on the line for that game, um, it would be nice, I think, at some point, maybe next year for the Bills to make it to the Super Bowl and to really have me have a stressful two weeks, then a horribly stressful Super Bowl night. And then this podcast is like just pure giddiness and we're drunk on champagne for like three days and doing the podcast. That would be fantastic with a win. And hopefully Jordan, one day we can get there and make it happen. 
Um, so we'll close the book on that Super Bowl, close the book on the 2022 season, and we'll start talking a little bit more about the Bills and this upcoming season. So um, first and foremost, we got coaching staff news because that's really all we got to mm. talk about at this point because we're entering a free agent and cut season. But for now, let's talk about it. The Bills made an interesting hire. They hired a wide receiver coach, replacing the uh, ever-popular Chad Hall, who went to Jacksonville. They're signing Adam Henry. Um, no, he's not a lumberjack. He kind of sounds like one. But Adam Henry comes to the Bills, formerly the wide receivers coach and co-offensive coordinator at Indiana University this past year. Um, he has NFL experience. He's been around the NFL, I believe, for five different teams. And he also coached wide receivers at LSU when Odell Beckham Jr. was running around in LSU. So they have a – there are some connective dots here. So if we want to put two and two together, you're bringing in a wide receiver coach who knows a potential free agent at a potential need position for the Bills offense. Um, Jordan, you know, position coaches – I don't want to say they're minor because they definitely impact the position groups. They help the development on the bills at wide receiver, especially utilize a lot of young guys. They go pretty deep in that arsenal. So you need someone who can relate to the college athlete, develop people at the NFL level. Um, Coming from college, he obviously has that capability in terms of being able to correspond to today's youth to make me sound like an old person. Um, But the media and people have already started making the connections. Well, where did he coach once upon a time? Oh, LSU with Odell Beckham, and he's still apparently pretty close with him. Um, Jordan, what are your thoughts on Adam Henry? Do you buy into the fact that it makes the Bills a more attractive destination potentially for Odell Beckham, and does this signing really matter at this, at this point? Um, no and no. Um, on the first end, I think that's just a really loose connection, if we're going to be honest. Uh, oh, he coached Odell Beckham Jr. in college. I mean, how much does he really love his wide receiver? You know what I mean? Like, that's such a loose connection. I'm like, I can see, but I don't think Odell Beckham Jr. is going to pick a team because of, yeah, that was my wide receivers coach back in college. It seems kind of like a really, you're you're really kind of grasping for straws with that kind of connection. Um, listen, I think that, again, NFL experience is good. It's so hard to see the impact of these specialists, right? Because you've got a pretty, for a somewhat veteran group, you know, led by Diggs, you know, I think to me, can he help develop Gabe Davis? Because again, I think Gabe can be a big time receiver, but he kind of disappeared for a good chunk of last season. Um, He only had a handful of games where he actually made an impact. Um, You know, the Bills are looking to add two receivers, so... Uh, you know, trying to get the most out of that position is going to be key going this, excuse me, going forward this offseason. But it's so hard. To, you can't really know the impact until we get into, you know, fall football, you know. So, again, you're kind of like, oh, that's interesting, the LSU connection with OBJ. But, you know, we're we're a long ways away before we start, you know, really talking about, oh, is OBJ coming in the Bills? We had this conversation all last season and I, I'm kind of tired of the OBJ rumors. Either it's going to happen or it's not. You know, it, it's one way or the other. But I, I think it's kind of just grasping for straws at this point. I agree. I mean, I think OBJ comes down to money where he goes, right? We know he wants a long-term deal. 
We know he's not going to take necessarily a homer discount. There's really not a homer team unless you're talking the Giants with him. Um, yeah, it makes him more comfortable maybe with signing with Buffalo. It makes him more comfortable um, joining a team with Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs that already have a lot of chemistry. But, you know, I don't think he was uncomfortable reuniting with Von Miller, uncomfortable playing with a true number one franchise quarterback. It, I don't, I just, it's come down to money for him. I, there's no way to me that he's coming over to Buffalo just because, oh, you got a wide receiver coach that I like. Oh, giddy up. Um, I will be there and I will, you know, do my uh, thing for cheap. I don't think that's going to happen. So, um, but I do think, again, it's a new voice in the room. It's a new voice for Ken Dorsey to interact with. It's a new voice for the wide receivers to maybe get something different. Um, so I have no issues with the signing. I'm intrigued by it. Um, you know, wide receiver coaches, we've had a lot of them over the years when you have as many head coaches and coaching staff that the Bills have had, some good, some bad. Um, but the Bills thrive on continuity. So as long as he can stick around and start developing a rapport and developing the young guys, I think that'll be the key for him in his future in Buffalo. All right. So the next kind of agenda item that we have is, the Bills are going to be entering uh, the offseason. I think the first thing that you're going to see before we get to the draft, which is the most exciting part for me um, and you, but when you get to the draft itself, before you get the guy gets the free agency, the Bills, they are pretty tight in the salary cap right now. They don't have a lot of money to play with. So we're expecting them to restructure some, some deals. I mean, the estimated salary cap, they're over the salary cap at this point. So you almost can guarantee that they're going to make some cuts, potentially some trades. Um, they'll probably even um, restructure. Like I said, I think they'll probably restructure Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, just about every year at this point. You might even see them restructure Von Miller. Look at their biggest contract, shift some of that into guarantees, um, and then you have more money to play with. But that leaves the question, there are players to be cut. So, Jordan, you know, when you talk about cut candidates, you're talking about players who potentially will They'll, they'll find someone in free agency. There might be a younger player on the roster or a cheaper player, I should say, more importantly, that might warrant more reps. Um, it could just be a straight cut where there's no backup plan in place. You just need to do it for the money. But it also will open up some draft needs. It'll open up some free agent needs. So, Jordan, who do you kind of look at or maybe even position groups where their bills are spending a lot of money on and say, hey, this is probably a name that I – might get cut. Maybe it's not someone that we agree that we want to see cut, but again, we're talking financials here more so than on the field performance at this point. I mean, I will say this when I'm looking at the big picture of this off season, um, when I'm looking at free agency in particular, <clears throat> excuse me, um, they are not going to be able to do as much in free agency as they have done in years past. Um, so, to me, their focal point is going to be to the draft, which we'll get to later. Um, but I'm looking at it with this team. I think there's two names that come to mind. Um, one, potentially Naheem Hines. I know they traded for him um, at the trade deadline. I think he's a great player. But if you're making cuts, uh, you're, you're looking at, okay, where can we kind of trim some fat and Naeem Hines is a solid player, but you got to make room for some of, you know, these signings like a Tremaine Edmonds potentially or, and or, you know, Devin Singletary or Jordan Poyer or whatever decisions that they do decide to make. I think Naeem Hines is on the cutting floor. And 
I also think Mitch Morse is. You know, we talked about Mitch Morse last year as a cut candidate. Uh, the Bills opted to not do that. Um, I don't think it's because Mitch Morse is playing bad. I don't think that's the case at all. Um, but, you know, he's carrying about, I think, what, a six and a half million per year. You know, it's he, you know, there's the injury concerns too. So I don't know if they will make that move. But Mitch Morse, if you're looking at players of who they're going to cut, I think it would be remiss to say that he wouldn't be in that conversation um, to be a part of that cut candidates. Uh, it's going to be very tough, you know, and I think you may have a point to a lot of restructuring contracts, putting that money into guaranteed money, right? Trying to create as much wiggle room as possible to improve the roster, um, you know, and bring in guys on decent deals. Um, so it's going to be difficult for sure. But I think to me, Naheem Hines and Mitch Moores are two guys I look at and say are at the top of the list when it comes to players potentially being cut this offseason. I like, I mean, I don't want to say I like the Mitch Morris decision, but I mean, you're looking at almost $6 million back on the cap by him alone. The center position is very important for this offense, but he's also a player that at his best days, he's, I think he's an all pro candidate, but he's also one of those guys that he's injury prone. And a lot of it, unfortunately, is also concussions, which are challenging to anticipate. And the older he gets up there, is he going to be worth the 11 plus million dollars that you're paying him right now to, to hit on the cap? Um, that $5 million dead cap is a tough one to swallow, but if you can get $6 million on the cap, that's a, that goes a long way. The other name that I'll throw out there that, that might be surprising, but maybe not for Bills fans since we're all mocking wide receivers, it could be an Isaiah McKenzie cut year as well. I mean, they just signed him last year. They just said, hey, you're the heir apparent to Cole Beasley. He didn't really have the most productive year. They had some issues getting the ball at times, but – you're also going to look at him and say, you cut him, you're saving about $2.6 in cap space. So it's a pretty significant one, and he doesn't have a lot of a dead cap either. It's only 300000 for him. So you're looking at him as a guy that if you're going to go a different direction in the slot, we know about Khalil Shakir. Cole Beasley wants to come back. The draft is still out there. If Isaiah McKenzie wasn't what you were expecting in terms of his production this year, I know he battled some injuries. Um but special teams, he's kind of on the outside looking in as long as you have Naeem Hines. He is not as productive in the slot, or at least you have other options there. Sometimes that $2.6 million price tag may be more important to the team than maybe just trying to keep an investment that you thought was going to be a longer-term one. But, again, he can always restructure, right? He can always move things around, and they're going to definitely offer different players things to stay um, along the way. But I – I would add Isaiah McKenzie to the list. That's another one that I think could be a straight cut along with Mitch Morse. Wouldn't surprise me. Um, otherwise, I mean, I look at this and you're trying to figure out who's got the biggest difference between their cap hit and their kind of dead cap space. Um, if you were to cut them, um, and there's just guys I, I can't necessarily see parting with um, that are higher up on the list. Like you're not going to necessarily get rid of a, you know, Deion Dawkins, right? And even then, you're not going to save very much on doing so. Um, so, yeah, we'll see what happens. But I think those are key things. And then that means you have to replace a center. If you cut Naeem Hines, it leaves you just James Cook on the roster, right? So does that mean you're bringing Motor back? Does that mean you're going to the draft to get multiple guys? Does that mean you're okay getting, you know, the free agent market on the cheap? It, it you're To cut guys in certain positions, you get to fill them. 
center's a giant one. That's going to be a very difficult decision for this team. But I also think Mitch Morris may be restructuring that to lower the cap hit and stay um, because he obviously likes what he's working with in Buffalo, and he's got Josh Allen who's going to vouch for him as well. Um, and we'll go from there. Next up, a um, little less uh, scary, but, you know, trade candidates. That's another way to, to move guys out for maybe addressing different position groups. Maybe it helps you in the cap. Maybe it doesn't. But moving players around may be their best way to tweak the roster outside of the draft. And this is how Brandon Bean will get more draft picks. So I think the first thing here is to say, if you're thinking about trading someone and you're going to cut them, I think one and the same, if you can get something for a Mitch Morris and move him to a spot that maybe he likes, you get his cap hit off the books and maybe you get a late round draft pick. Same with an Isaiah McKenzie, right? So just because they don't cut guys doesn't mean they're not going to trade them. I think it's easy enough for us to say that Naeem Hines, Isaiah McKenzie, Mitch Morris, they also fit as possible trade candidates. Um, I don't know if there's any others that you're seeing that you're just kind of, maybe it's not financial purposes. Maybe it's just, hey, we got a really deep position group over here and we might move some of those assets to get draft picks to address something else. Um, we know Brandon Bean loves to play in the draft in terms of trades. Um, so, Jordan, I guess I'll say my perspective, trade candidates to me, I'm looking at that defensive line. Mm. I'm looking at they have a very deep defensive line that maybe wasn't as dominant as you would like. But part of that could be you need rotational players. There's always a premium on pass rushers. There's always a premium on defensive tackles. Those just got a lot of dudes, right? And I also expect them to fall in love with someone in the draft because they always draft themselves in defensive linemen. And there's just not enough spots for everybody. Maybe you want to bring a Shaq Lawson back. Maybe you don't. But is A.J. Epinesa going to be worth keeping around if someone's going to offer a mid-level pick for him? Um, we'll see what happens. But I think the defensive line is one of those position groups for the Bills where they're pretty deep. I think they have people that are intriguing and they have some talented players that have performed at different levels. Maybe you can find a team that's very in, in you know, very lacking in that department or maybe one that has a new coaching staff that wants to get some of those guys that are veterans that know how to play and see if they fit in those other systems. You know, I agree with you on the defensive line front. I think when I look at if the Bills are going to make a trade or trades this offseason, um, it's going to be more or less uh, looking at, you know, again, how can we get assets? How can we move some money around? You know, would you trade one of the younger pass rushers, like a Boogie Basham? I think Rousseau is off the table. Um, but could Boogie Basham be kind of dangled in with a trade, right? Um, you know, would they you know, put Shaq Lawson or Jordan Phillips in that conversation. I don't know. Um, I don't think so, but you never know, right? Again, the Bills have to be creative this offseason in order to make space and get the guys they need to. Because I think, you know, again, the Bills are close in terms of being a true Super Bowl contender. They have to make tweaks to this roster to improve. They're going to lose guys naturally because of the money situation, but they got to get creative in terms of we still need to improve this team. Every year, the goal is, as a GM, okay, how do I take my roster that I have now and how do I make it better? That's always your goal, and it's always going to be a little bit more difficult to do so, but I think some of the younger guys, I look at Brett Basham, maybe, um, you know, 
uh, to, Boogie just keeps coming to my mind as a guy that maybe you throw in in terms of a, you know, you trade some picks and a young player kind of situation. Um, I don't know. It, it, it's a tough call. Um, but it's going to be a lot of shifting guys around, a lot of restructuring deals, a lot of moving guys around um, in order for Brandon Bean to kind of be able to do what he needs to do this offseason. Yeah, and I think you bring up a good point, too. It could also just be you're throwing in a player with a pick to maybe get a little bit higher of a pick. You know, we'll put we'll put Boogie Basham in a six-rounder so that we can get a fourth-rounder back, right, to kind of stack and move up a little bit more. The Bills just don't have a lot of money even to re-sign the guys that they like. They want to draft, develop, and retain. But you're also at the cap point now where you can't retain all the guys you're drafting. If they're turning out to be studs, you got to move them for a premium maybe before their, their contract expires and teams can just take them for whatever. Um, so you're playing some, you know, some little bit of gambling there. Von Miller's injury, he's going to be kind of out up until the start of the season. You don't know what that's like, so maybe you don't want to risk some of these pass rushers. But, you again, they draft pass rushers every year fairly high. They, they have – a new defensive assistant, Al Holcomb, who's a little bit more of a linebacker's coach, but they want to rush the passer doing that too from that position. Um, it just seems like to free up space that where there's value on this roster in terms of young players that other teams might want. I look at the defensive line. Yes, there's probably a team that would really want Isaiah McKenzie, but he's a cut candidate. If you can't trade him before free agency, you're going to have to move him at a certain point. And look what happened with Derek Carr and the Raiders. Um, doesn't matter if you want to keep him or not, but you want that money off the books no matter what. Um, so we'll go from there. The next piece of this, too, offseason, Jordan, is when we break down the free agents, there's tons of guys that you would want, right? Who knows who's affordable, but tons of guys that you would want. But each position group carries different value in free agency versus the draft. Every draft class is different in terms of position groups that are high-low on that podium. So I wanted to kind of at least kind of lay the groundwork for what we are expect not expecting, but what we want. Um, there are certain position groups that I think you target more in the draft and maybe other position groups you target more in free agency, and then you kind of put them together and bam, here are the Buffalo Bills. Brandon Bean does a fantastic job of not going into drafts with glaring holes. Um, he's only done that a couple times, and then he has to address in the first round and typically does at a pretty good level. Um, the one, the couple that I'm thinking is last year, the cornerback position was, uh, um, I don't know who's playing with no Tredavious White, and then they got Kair Elam. They doubled down later with Christian Benford. The other time was when they let Preston Brown kind of float on in the air, and he was the leading tackler for the team. And then they spent a first-round pick on Tremaine Edmonds, right? So they, they will address it in the draft. But that being said, without much money to play with, what position groups are you preferring they look at in free agency versus the draft? I'll start with maybe my most interesting one that I'm going to watch. I want them to draft offensive linemen. Mm. I don't think they will because they love to go the, you don't like your offensive linemen and you're going to leave them out there. We'll take them for one year, real cheap. They'll get starting time. They'll be on a contender. Maybe they get a bigger deal. Or we'll resign them. It hasn't really worked very long. I mean, the Quentin Spain, the, the, Roger Saffold, pro bowler Roger Saffold, I should say. Um, they like to take these kind of, not projects, but these guys that are tossed away from other teams that have good history and say, that's a veteran we can plug in there. I think that's what they still do, but I, they're not 
hitting very well on those. They don't have a lot of money on offensive line, which is a premium. If they're any good, they're going to get paid a lot of money. I think I'm ready to kind of suffer some bad offensive line play if you can start developing it through the draft because that's what's going to stick long-term for this team. You know, when I look at it in terms of free agents, I am interested in particularly um, the wide receiver slash tight end market. I mean, one free agent in particular that I'm interested about, well, actually two, I would say, is at tight end, specifically Mike Gusecki and Dalton Schultz. Um, I don't know if the Bills want to do a two tight end system, but I think it'd be very intriguing because both those guys are, you know, they're not going to command very high prices in terms of contracts. Um, maybe Dalton Schultz a little bit, but Schultz and Kaseki have been kind of these two tight ends who have been good, have been shown flashes, but have kind of maybe aren't the best in terms of a tight end one. So I think it'd be interesting if you compare a Mike Kaseki and Dawson Knox, or in this case, Dalton Schultz with Dawson Knox. Um, those two kind of, that'd be a really interesting combination, right? You know, you add another pass catching weapon uh, for Josh Allen. Um, I think it's potentially intriguing if they want to go a two tight end route. Um, you know, offensive line is a huge concern for the Bills this offseason. I agree with you. I think that they are going to mainly do their work in uh, the offseason. I mean, there's a couple prospects. You know, we talk about Osiris Torrance from uh, Florida. Uh, I, I forget his name, but the guy from North Dakota State with the, the gap tooth. Uh, you know, he, uh, he just looks like a quintessential offensive lineman. Um, so there's different routes that they can go with this, but I think, you know, and also too, with running backs too, like, do you take a shot at say a Rashad Penny, right? Who has glimpses, but the injury history is there, you know, a Boston Scott kind of guy, you know, do, do they buy low on certain positions like that? Um, but I, to me, I look at the tight end market. I'm like, there's some interesting guys who aren't going to command like big money paydays that could be, you know, in the financial feasibility for the bills to maybe kind of swing them over to Buffalo. So those are kind of two guys with Dalton Schultz and Mike Gusecki that I'm going to keep an eye out for and saying that it's in the realm of possibility that the Buffalo could sign one of those two. Yeah, I mean, again, you're looking at position groups. The Bills are getting pretty thin just number-wise. Tight end is definitely one of them. They got Dawson Knox and Quentin Morris, and I think that's it. I don't think there's anyone else out there. And, I mean, you could bring back O.J. Howard again. That was fun for the uh, training camp, wasn't it? Um, you can do a couple of things. I think the other place that I'm going to look at them for free agency, the safety market. I know there's guys in the draft that you want to look at, but you just drafted a couple cornerbacks you got a very young defensive line. I think if you get too much youth up there, you're, you're, you're asking for trouble, right? I mean, you got some very big money invested in some veterans like a Tremaine Edmonds, potentially Matt Milano, Tredavious White, Micah Hyde. There's still enough veteran presence there to kind of shepherd these guys around. However, you, you don't want to get young at all three levels very quickly, and you have to suspect if Jordan Poyer is not brought back, the person that they either draft or sign is probably going to play opposite uh, Micah Hyde, and you would have thought that would have been DeMar Hamlin, but he's, you know, I don't know if you can bank on that one, right? I don't think you can guarantee that he's definitely going to be back and, and, and reliable for a full season, so you're going to have to address it somewhere. I do like some players in the draft, 
But if they address safety and free agency instead of the draft, there are some interesting names out there. I really do like Von Bell, but I don't know what his price tag is going to be. It's probably pretty high up there. You know, the dream scenario is you unite the Edmonds brothers and get Terrell Edmonds, but he should also carry a pretty high price tag as well. Um, but there are some guys that have played pretty well in this league. Do you like an Eric Rowe, who was a pretty high pick? He's bounced around the AFC a few different times. Carl Joseph is also a you know, heavy hitter. I like his, his, his West Virginia tape, Jordan. That is just draft gold. He never really panned out in the NFL for being like a number seven pick in the draft, but watch the Carl Joseph uh, West Virginia draft film. That will get you excited for him, even though I'm pretty sure he's injured heavily because of that draft film alone. Um, but there are some guys in safety that I think you can get. And, and I also remember Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, they weren't like the biggest price safeties on the market. They did a very good job scouting them from other teams. They knew that they could get them, and they knew that they would fit in this system. Who's to say that they don't have their eyes on maybe someone else in the safety position that can do that and be the next Jordan Poyer um, and fit in there too? So I'm looking at that, but you know, for the draft, I just think you can get a running back anywhere. I think you can get a wide receiver anywhere. Yes, there's varying degrees of when I say anywhere, like Justin Jefferson's not popping out of round seven at wide receiver, but you have a starting depth there. You have a starting tight end even with Dawson Knox. You know, if you wanted to go to the draft, you could. But like you said, there's plenty of names in the tight end market that you can bring a Tyler Croft back if you wanted to. There's Irv Smith, who is a very intriguing player from Minnesota, but a lot of guys have had some injury issues. There are guys that might take a one, two-year deal in a really, really good offense and try to get some numbers or some big-time moments and, and re-evaluate re, re themselves. Uh, Mike Gisecki is another interesting one. I don't know how much he's going to command. If he's getting $10 million like he did in Miami, Bill's ain't going to pay him that, right? But there are plenty of guys who can be at least matchup, you know, matchup nightmares or matchup problems inserted into this offense. And I think that they need to get a couple, and they're probably going to get some pretty cheap ones along the way. Um, but, Jordan, all this free, free agent talk gets my, gets my draft juices going. I'm ready to go to my favorite mock if you are. Um, last week we did a Walter Football My Favorite Mock. This week we'll go to NFL.com, a three-rounder, which I'm very excited about. But first and foremost, my dream pick. Jordan, I still don't have one. Um, Stop I, dreaming. You know what the problem? The, you know the problem is the problem is I don't know if there's anyone. I haven't. I don't know what the Bills. I don't want to say what they need, right? Because I we've picked these dream scenarios even when they've had a good running back or they've had someone decent and said, "Hey, still give me this person," right? And I know you want Bijan Robinson, and that makes a lot of sense to me. I, I, there's some wide receivers that I really like, including the one we'll talk about here in a little bit that the Bills are picking in this mock. I just don't know if I see someone dominant yet that's going to be in that 20s range that I'm like, you know what, if they're within five picks, go up and get them. No matter what, they are going to be a game changer for this offense or defense. I just don't know that yet. No one's really shouting to me, and the Bills are so – I want to say deep, but they're going to get thinner in certain spots. They're pretty deep in a lot of spots that these guys aren't going to be asked in most scenarios to come in and be like an every game starter, getting all the reps, 100% of the snaps. It really depends on a few other things to go right. And I don't know if there's someone that walks through the door and says, out of my way, Spencer Brown, I'm the new tackle now. 
you know, there, there may not be that. And I, and it's just not shouting to me yet. Again, I'm leaning pretty heavily on Antonio Johnson, the safety from Texas A&M. I, I don't know if that's a first rounder. I want to say it is. I really like the way he plays. I know he fits what the bills want to do with a senior, a captain, as someone who's around the ball, all that stuff and can move up in the box and do what Jordan Porter does. I really, really like him, but I think I'm trying to – it's buyer's remorse. I'm trying to talk myself out of it and then commit and commit fully to someone very specific. So I apologize for you, Jordan, that I don't have that yet. You need um, to start dreaming, my friend. Just start dreaming. Start going to bed with some mock draft podcasts as you fall asleep. Someone will come to you in your sleep. I mean, I really want like a Jalen Carter, but that's not realistic, right? No. So let's – you know, I'm trying to live in the. I'm trying to live on planet Earth when I make these uh, guesses here too. Joey Porter also seems likely to me, but I don't think he's going to fall that far. But you never know. Stranger things have happened. Um, but anyway, let's get to my favorite mock, NFL.com. They posted their three-round mock draft this week, and it was by Chad Reuter, who we've gone to in the past a couple different times. And I'll tell you what I like about this: not just the three rounds, right? But he put some trades in there, and I think knowing that the Bears are probably not going to pick at number one, I prefer mock drafts personally where I see someone said, okay, the Bears are going to trade with the Colts or the Texans or the Raiders or whatever. I just don't know if I like the straight, these are the picks. Look at all these people. Because I already know pick one ain't going to happen. Um, I, feel, I feel very confident in that, Jordan. I could be wrong. But at least Chad Reed starts off with the Bears are trading down with the Houston Texans. Got it. They go with Bryce Young. Colts move up again with the Bears, taking C.J. Stroud. However, the Bears move down. They're moving down a little bit. Um, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, I think you can go tomato, tomato. Um, very interesting. Both of those teams with new coaches. It's going to you know, pluck a quarterback. Colts desperately need one. The Texans, I mean, we can go Davis Mills again. That was fun, wasn't it? Um, but then you get the Bears trading down to four. They end up with Will Anderson Jr., which seems likely. The Panthers and Frank Reich uh, getting Will Levis at five. You get the first cornerback off the board at six to the Lions, which is interesting. Paris Johnson going to the Raiders, the first offensive lineman. And then you get Miles Murphy, the edge rusher from Clemson to the Falcons, Seattle with Tyree Wilson, and then your boy Eagles grabbing Bijan Robinson. They're saying if Miles Sanders finds a new free agency home, this is the second mock draft where Bijan's been in the top ten. So I'll pause here, Jordan. First ten picks, a couple of trades in there. Bijan still going in the top ten. Any thoughts on how this is starting out? I don't know if Bijan's going to be in the top ten. It's going to really depend on his performance at the combine, because if he blows away in terms of uh, his 40 time and the measurables at the combine, then it might become a point where, okay, he's probably not going to be there at 27 or, you know, for the bills. So I don't right now, I don't see him going in the top 10. Again, I know this pot, this mock draft was like, Oh, if Miles Sanders leaves, um, still, if you're the Eagles, Bijan Robinson at 10 is rich for my flavor. I think the reason why I see him as a target for the Bills is that running backs, you know, aren't going as far as the top 10 anymore. They're kind of slipping into that late first round, early second round kind of pick. I mean, last year, Brees Hall was the first running back selected and he wasn't selected until the second round. So, uh, you know, 
again, it's going to largely depend on Bijan's, you know, combine measurables. If they are like, you know, say Saquon Barkley level where his combine numbers were through the roof, then you're like, okay, maybe he'll be in a top 10. But I think right now, top 10 is a little bit rich for me for Bijan Robinson. Yeah, and running backs, again, you can find them all over the place. There's a lot of really talented ones. Um, but, hey, the Eagles, you never know what they do with an offensive-minded head coach. Then we get to number 11 where the first tight end comes off the board of the Titans with Dalton Kincaid. i got to watch him a little more. I didn't know there was a tight end that's in the top 15 regularly. Um, 13 gets interesting with the Jets taking a quarterback, uh, Anthony Richardson from Florida. Gosh, I would love that. I would just love that so much. I, this, that's why these are my favorite mocks. It just does something to me to see the Jets kind of, in this scenario, we don't have any veterans, and we're just going to draft another first-rounder to go with Zach Wilson. What could go wrong? <laughs> um, and then you go down. There's a lot of kind of mixtures going off the board until you get to pick 20, which then they have the Bills trading their first, third, and a fourth-rounder to move up to 20 and kind of jump the next round of wide receivers that come out. And they go with Jordan Addison from USC, who, you know, Jordan, talking about Jordan, yes. I, I have an affinity for, for your people. Oh. I have an affinity for a deep threat that almost seems like this is going to be the, the what, Gabe, what you want Gabe Davis to be. But Gabe Davis, you know, mid-round pick, this is a first-round pick, which means you're going to inject Gabe Davis with even more talent drop them on your team, maybe with better hands, hopefully. Um, but you get the Bolitnikoff Award winner for best wide receiver in college. He, his highlight film is off the chain in terms of him being able to jump. High catch radius. He would fit great with this offense. But if you want a wide receiver and your guy is there, um, yeah, Bills move up. What do you think about them possibly trading up a little bit to get a wide receiver, potentially a Jordan Addison type of receiver? You know, intriguing i will say i mean jordan addison intrigues me a lot in terms of i think he if he were to be drafted seems to me like that slot receiver kind of guy um you know to move up again i i when i look at the draft for the bills they have a, a one pick in each round from rounds one to six they have six picks total in this draft to work with they have to be they have to nail every single one of these picks for me in terms of getting guys who can improve and start on the cheap, right? That's the goal with this draft. Um, so to trade a couple picks, to, you got to really believe Jordan Addison's going to be that guy who's going to really take you over the edge because then you're giving up a third and a fourth, um, right? You know, you're giving away two more of your picks, so you're only down to then, I think, what, you know, a second, uh, a fifth, and a sixth, right? So that's, again, you're going to really have to believe that Jordan Addison is that guy, but I think he is very impressive, great speed. He's got tremendous route running ability. Like, he has got really good route running ability from what I've just, even the little bit of tape you see from Jordan Addison, it's incredibly impressive. Um but, yeah, I don't know if I see the Bills trading up necessarily. Um, but, again, crazier things have happened, right? Well, we saw it last year. The Bills traded up to get Kyrie Elam. So it's not out of the uh, realm of possibility that they do it, you know, to get a wide receiver like a Jordan Addison um, if he's lingering there in the, you know, the early 20s. So 
It's interesting. It's plausible. Um, but the Bills have to be really careful with dealing picks because then they only got six of them in this draft, one for each round. So uh, they don't have as many picks to play with as they maybe have had in years past. And the picks are going to be more valuable because you don't have that much free agent money. So you, right. you, if you want to replenish your depth, you're going to have to use the numbers game here a little bit. I'm not saying they trade down, but you're not one player away. Even if that one player is a very big difference maker on the offense, which I think Jordan Addison would be, if he develops like, say, a George Pickens, for example, that might be comparable in the Steelers, you know, that's one of those types of things. Okay, can you still double team Stephon Diggs? Can you still sell out in the slot and do different things? It opens up a lot of options for that offense to, to give Ken Dorsey more flexibility, Josh Allen more more tools to work with and, and makes them all better, right? Um, so it is interesting. But also, you know, if you think, look at this trade and you look, okay, who would have they had available to them at 27? You get two guards. That, that could have been their pick. And I don't think we're going to say that offensive line is not a need. It's a gigantic need. Um, it seems like it's the case every year with this regime. But there's Osiris Torrance from Florida, who you mentioned, and your, your gap tooth, uh, North Dakota State uh, monster and Cody Mock, right? They go 27 and 28 in this mock draft, so you miss out on addressing the offensive line to address receiver. And, again, is Gabe Davis bad? No. I think we all have really high expectations for him, but he's not a bad player. He has some dropsies at times. Um, but, you know, do you need a wide receiver more than you need an offensive line? I, I, I still lean offensive line. It's not sexy, but I lean that way. Um, and then you can go into round two. You can see some of the other picks. Interestingly enough, Hendon Hooker from Tennessee goes to Seattle. That's going to be a steal for whoever gets him. I'm real excited about that one. It's super. He ends up coming off an injury. The Bills at pick 59 going with an offensive guard. They finally address offensive line in the second round with Steve Avila from TCU. Not going to lie, don't know a lot about him, but there are guys that I do like even after that pick in this mock draft, whether that's Jamie Robinson, the safety from Florida State, Kelly Ringo from Georgia is another cornerback that I'm really excited about, too, to, to watch more of. Um, I don't need to go to round three because I know they don't necessarily uh, pick there, but they do address offensive linemen pretty high in this mock draft. So, Jordan, I didn't know if you looked at round two or three, if you wanted to, to dive into any of those kind of selections before moving on, but what are your thoughts on this mock draft overall when you see how some of these picks play out? I mean, again, when it comes to the Bills, because I'm only focused on the Bills in terms of this aspect. So, early on with the mock draft, season again like you mentioned offensive line maybe more of a need right now than wide receiver um you know again it's it's give or take right um but i'm in the philosophy that the main focal point for this offseason is improve the offense uh you know that means get as many offensive linemen get get quality receivers get quality running backs you know really just do a, you know, Cold War style arms race when it comes to that offense. Um, and you build it up with as many weapons as possible, right? So it's okay. I, I want to see some more. I think, again, now as we kind of are in the start of the offseason, you know, moves will be made slowly but surely. We can start kind of getting a more um, centralized focus on okay, what is this offseason going to look like? How much money are they going to work with? What are the real needs? As it were, you know, it'll, it'll kind of um, focus in um, after a while. So remains to be seen, but uh, 
I, I think I'm okay with receiver right now, but you better hope that, you know, if you're going to move up and trade for a receiver, you better believe that that guy can be the difference maker to you getting to the Super Bowl in Las Vegas next year. Agreed. Now let's wrap up this podcast. Let's go around the AFC East and see what's been happening in the division to keep tabs on. First and foremost, I think the biggest news out of the AFC East is that it's official. Vic Fangio is the Dolphins defensive coordinator, former Broncos head coach, former Bears defensive coordinator, comes over to Miami. Um, this, is a, this is a massive get for the Miami Dolphins and Mike McDaniel, potentially because McDaniel has now a former head coach that he can bounce things off of from what he's going through in terms of someone who's been on his seat. And now you have one of the more innovative offensive minds, one of the better defensive minds, kind of as a nice little tag team down there in Miami. He has tools to work with, players he's familiar with, like a Bradley Chubb who he had in Denver. This is a very, very dangerous hire for the division. Um, the Dolphins were, were knocking on the door. They, they made the playoffs. They, they still have the two a question. Obviously, you go as far as your quarterback goes, but a good defense can go a long way. They, it's not like they don't have talent over there, Jordan. This one frightens me a little bit, um, and he's also at the age where I don't know if he's going to get other head coaching jobs that he's going to leave anytime soon, but Vic Fangio is the new Dolphins defensive coordinator. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I don't like Miami making smart to sound decisions. It's it's a new day in Miami. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, that uh, again, a lot of the, what Miami's offseason is hinging on is with the health of Tua. But if he's healthy, Miami is absolutely a threat uh, to Buffalo in terms of winning the AFC East. It is uh, – and getting Vangio like that is going to be a very scary proposition. So Miami's there. And this is why, again, the Bills have to be really, really smart about the decisions they're making because uh, they are right there knocking on the door in terms of uh, coming to take that AFC East crown from Buffalo. Exactly. And next up, let's go to New England, which this is one of my favorite ones, because last year, if you remember the offseason, Matt Judon went out there on Twitter recruiting people. Uh, no one really came to New England that I can recall of merit. But man, he had his fingers in every big name free agent trying to get them to New England. He tried so hard. And I was che- I think at one point, Jordan, I was cheering for him. I wanted New England just to sign anyone just to reward Matt Judon for all of his hard work out there campaigning for anyone to join New England. And guess what? He was, he was interviewed this week. He will be recruiting again for someone to go to New England and join him. Um, he gave his reasons. He just really likes ball, I guess. And New England is a place, if you like ball, that's where you're going to go, the Patriot way, all that stuff. But you know what? I'm, I'm already there. I'm already rooting for the Patriots to get someone. I know it defeats the purpose for the Bills. But, man, Matt Judon, there's no one trying harder than him. Maybe Von Miller's trying to get Odell Beckham just as hard. He's been, I mean, Von Miller's been championing for Odell on his podcast for a full year now. Um, But Matt Judon's out there campaigning. So do you think he snags any big fish this year with his campaign? I don't see it because New England is a team that the Patriot way was, um, how should I say it, so 2004. Um, and it's 2023. No one wants to do the Patriot way. The Patriots are irrelevant. If anything, they're going to go to Kansas City or Cincinnati or Buffalo. Uh, New England is not the it girl. You know, it, they are not uh, the team that they once were. 
teams, you know, players will go there naturally because, hey, I want a job and you have a job opening. So New England, here I come. Uh, but don't expect uh, big free agents to land in New England because they're not really uh, going to be competitive anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, they might be active in the trade market. I think they're a good landing spot potentially for DeAndre Hopkins, but that's not due on recruiting him. I mean, unless there's like a no-trade clause, right? In terms of free agents, I mean, yeah, he might get a couple defensive guys, but I don't think there's anyone massive that's like, I really want to go play for Mac Jones or I really want to go play for Bill Belichick. They don't seem like fun people to play for. Mac Jones is just going to yell at you. Bill Belichick's going to scowl at you. His son's going to lick his lips with a mullet. I mean, it's all a weird place to me. I don't know if I'd want to go there even for a couple million dollars. Well, if I had no other million-dollar offers, I'd go there. But you know what I mean. If you're a football player, they have options. There's other places to land. And finally, let's go to the Jets. Derek Carr got cut. So guess what? Jet fan is out there, you know, imagining Derek Carr now in jet gear, just like they were Aaron Rodgers a week ago. Um, do you think Derek Carr goes to the Jets, and would it even be a good fit? My answer is no and no. Um, you know, Jet fans will get excited about him, but, I mean, he's 32 years old. He hasn't done a lot. He has some injury issues. He's one of those veterans, though, that you sign and you keep Zach Wilson, but Derek Carr probably wants to be a franchise player, and I don't think he goes someplace with a, a number two overall pick sitting there on your bench. Um. I mean, it's a possibility, but I don't know if Derek Carr is going to take them to the next level. I mean, he struggled a lot this season, and he had Devontae Adams, you know, the one of, if not the best receivers in the league. Um, he just was um, not his, – his play has regressed. So I would be very um, – I would say be very cautious about signing Derek Carr because he seems like he could be an upgrade, but he is very turnover-prone. And I question his ability as a starter going forward. Yeah, I mean, I just want to get too jazzed about it. I don't think he solved your long-term issues. Is the upgrade over Zach Wilson? Sure. But, you know, that's not saying a lot either at this point of Zach Wilson's career. All right, Jordan, let's finish this up with going around the NFL. And I think the other big news where the Colts and Cardinals finished the head coaching uh, carousel by both signing Eagles offensive and defensive coordinators as their head coaches. So they, they looked at the Super Bowl. They said, you lost. We'll take both of your coordinators. Thank you very much. Eric enemy, Steve Spagnuolo, stay in Kansas City. That just always gets me. But, hey, whatever. These guys are under 40. They're really young. They kind of fit that new head coaching trend of the young, upstart, you know, razzle-dazzle people. But of these two, the Cardinals getting the Eagles defensive coordinator, the Colts getting the Car the Eagles offensive coordinators. Which one of these is in a better situation to start their coaching career? Uh, I would maybe the Colts, just because you know it seems like they're going to draft a quarterback. They can kind of retool the offense right into their direction. They have a somewhat solid defense. Uh, the Cardinals, you know, outside of Kyler Murray, it's just kind of a mess at this point. Um, so I guess the Colts only because you can kind of have as much room to sort of shape the roster in the way you want to if I'm a head coach. Uh, but both are pretty uh, dire situations. Yeah, I mean, the Colts to me is obvious. They're they're in the top five picking, whether you trade the Bears or not. You have an offensive-minded head coach and probably your pick of the quarterbacks on the board there, if not one missing. Um, you weren't that far off. You just had a weird year this past year. You made you almost went to play Frank Reich the year before. 
Jeff Saturday comes in, goes one and seven. Um, and then the Cardinals, you know, Kyler Murray's out for the beginning part of next season too, isn't he? He's not going to be back at full 100%. So what are you really playing with in a division where you got, you know, San Francisco and then probably a healthier Los Angeles Rams team? You've lost J.J. Watt, DeAndre Hopkins wants out, um, A.J. Green just retired. you got a lot of veterans off that Cardinals team that you're kind of rebuilding, but you're not really rebuilding because you're waiting for Kyler Murray to get better. So it's kind of a, I don't say it's a Band-Aid year, but it's going to be a weird year for Arizona. I just feel like coaches don't get the leash they used to. So for Indianapolis, at a minimum, you're going to have Jonathan Taylor healthy at some point. You're going to get Shaq Leonard back. I'd rather take those two young guys over what Arizona has on its roster in a harder division than the AFC South. So uh, Colts head coach Shane Stetchen, 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 um, he is the better situation for now. Next up, A.J. Green retired from the Arizona Cardinals in the NFL. Um, do you think he's a Hall of Famer? Maybe. Um, I'd have to revisit the stats. Um, I don't think he's first ballot, but I think he certainly has – case maybe i i to me right now it feels like a bit fringe in terms of his uh hall of fame candidacy at the moment yeah i think if they keep getting first timers the nod each time they're gonna he's gonna be passed up he's an interesting one because he didn't have the i mean he kind of had some good quarterback play but not really in cincinnati he's kind of in that interim period for quite some time um but definitely a hall of fame talent um, will his numbers stack up based on the Bengals' offense and what he did there? Is, it remains to be seen. But, um, yeah, I don't think he makes it. And if he does, it's one of those kind of late ads one year where there's a very thin class. But I don't think he makes it. But that does not say he didn't have a fantastic career. One of the, you know, one of the quiet superstars that kind of was in the Midwest for a while. So I do like A.J. Green's game. Um, next up and final question, just because we're talking Derek Carr earlier, um, who's the Raiders quarterback next year? <laughs> uh, insert rookie quarterback in the draft. A la, uh, whoever it may be, uh, insert rookie quarterback. They draft in round one is my answer. Yeah. I mean, I think that's safe ish, right? I don't know if Josh McDaniel will do that. And I still think that Josh McDaniel thinks he's smarter than everyone else. You know what? I'm just going to go on a wild card here. I agree with you, but just to be different, um, I don't think it's going to be Aaron Rodgers. It could be, granted, Aaron Rodgers is in his current uh, darkness phase of life right now, so we don't know what his future is. Um, You know what? Let's go with this one. How about Jameis Winston is the starter to out the door for the Raiders next year? I just really like that fit because Jameis is a little crazy. He doesn't fit the uh, McDaniels way, but – McDaniels may look at him and say, man, that's a really big talent there. Like a lot of people I have looked at Adam and said, I got Devontae Adams. Just throw it deep, my man. Hand off to Josh Jacobs, throw it deep to Devontae. Jameis Winston, get another shot. Um, and Jameis, I will say to his credit, he's looked better in the Saints uniform than he did in the Bucks. But, I mean, he's still, what, the first quarterback to have 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions in the season. I mean, uh, very interesting career. So I'll go with Jameis Winston. But other than that, Jordan, it's been a very quiet week around the NFL. We're gearing up for the combine, which I believe is next week. So we'll get some more measurables and some finger sizes and hand sizes and all that stuff that you need for the quarterbacks. Um, But that's all I have for you this week. 
All right. Well, that'll do it for another episode of Two Bills in a Pod. Thank y'all for listening as always. Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio at Two Bills in a Pod. Make sure you follow us on Facebook and Twitter at the same handle. Uh, follow Daniel on Twitter at GreyBeardHan. Me, Jordan, at Ozgi44. We'll talk to you next week and see ya. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.